This podcast is sponsored by Microlink, the UK's largest assistive technology and workplace adjustment provider. Hello, how are you? Welcome to this BDF podcast. I'm Daniel Wiles and I'm very excited today to be joined by Michael Vimish from Microsoft. Yay! If you would like to get in touch with us today, um, please do to tell us what you think. Uh, we'd really want to hear your feedback. You can email us at media at businessdisabilityforum.org.uk and you can telephone us on 0207 403 3020 or tweet us at disabilitysmart. So I'm Daniel Wiles, I'm a disability consultant. Uh, I work in the advice service answering our members and partners queries. I also deliver training and I specialize in autism at BDF and I also release the Square Holes report in early 2016. I'm joined by Michael, as I mentioned. Uh, Michael, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, okay, Dan, my name is Michael Vermeer. Uh, I work at Microsoft. Um, I kind of have two roles there. Um, first of all, day role where I work in services, uh, primarily helping customers overcome barriers. Those barriers around compliance, GDPR and digital inclusion, which uh, leads to my newest day role, which is uh, I'm the digital inclusion lead. Uh, as, a, as an extra role, I'm also the lead of the Accessibility Employee Resource Group at Microsoft. Marvellous. Thank you. And today we're going to be talking about autism and employment. Uh, before we do, just to set some parameters around what we're talking about, we're talking about employment and what that means is people that are in jobs. Um, so we're going to talk about information that's useful for line managers, HR, people to work in diversity inclusion. Um, we're also going to be talking about autism. And we're not going to be talking about autism in terms of lots of medical information. What we're going to be talking about is autism in the workplace. And what that really means is looking at different effects and what an organisation can do. I think before any conversations had around autism, it's always important to keep in mind a famous saying about autism, which is that if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Now, what that means is we can't talk in absolutes and everyone is different and everyone is unique. And that's a wonderful, marvelous thing. Um, like any other condition, people are all different. Um, but what we can do is we can talk broadly and generally, and, and that's what we're gonna do. Does that sound good, Michael? That sounds brilliant. Awesome. Okay. We're going to begin by talking a little bit about Michael's presentation, which is titled, If I Can Be Myself, I Can Be at My Best. We were going to start by talking a little bit about strengths, Michael. Do you want to tell us about strengths? So, uh, and that almost is a, is a translation of that. Uh, so going back a bit around the, the presentation, I think in a way we wanted to reflect things around autism with the presentation. But ultimately, the summary is like, well, you know what, if we can just be ourselves, we can actually be our best selves. And going through that journey, building up all that knowledge base, mm -hmm. we kind of saw that there's two ways to look at this. We can, we can say all the things that other people would see as broken, mm -hmm. and this is bad, and this is what needs to be fixed, and this is what you need help with. But actually, if you look at what you get, uh, if you can focus on the strengths, all of it falls, falls to comes to falls together. I'm mm -hmm. going to say it like that. 
uh, all of it falls together and it makes perfect sense on to harness those strengths on to get to that potential because it's so much worth it and so we throughout that journey we kind of said let's focus on strengths and how we get to reaping those strengths reaping those benefits and then the rest all actually all falls falls in place because you you will see that these things are not necessarily hard things to do and actually they make sense to do and they help everybody so so welcome to a neurodiverse world marvelous um can you tell us a little about your strengths i know in the presentation you talk about your different strengths um yeah, that's a good one, um, and always a tricky one because uh, the first things that were there in my mind is that I'm a bit wacky. That can be a shame. But, uh, <laughs> but but let's just bring that in perspective. Uh, that wackiness just means that I'm I'm a, an extreme lateral thinker. I will see things where nobody will see things, and and ultimately, the whole world is like a puzzle, and and I bring those pieces, which is how I endure it and and experience it. But by bringing puzzle pieces together, I, can, I, I am very creative and can come to great con- uh, conclusions and solutions. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the examples, which I didn't talk about earlier, but jumps to mind is we have been trying to get customers to use cloud technology for such a long time. And, and some customers are already, uh, some customers are still sitting on the fence, and some customers might still think that they can't do it. And ultimately, seeing in that whole journey, I kind of saw like, well, we're trying to convince customers very hard that they need to trust us and we're good and we're safe and all that kind of stuff. But actually, what was missing was kind of helping the customer through that journey. So we were telling it the truth, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't helping anybody. We actually had to go to the customer and help them through that journey, understanding our technology, understanding on why they should trust us telling them how it is and where they might want to mitigate and have extra measures and all that kind of stuff. And that approach is now a solution offering that we have and uh, is helping customers embrace our cloud technology much faster. Mm. And that's just purely about observing that, okay, I see why the customers are not buying our stuff, even though our stuff is good. It's because they actually need to appreciate what we're trying to say. and. There's no point us trying to convince them. They actually have to go through that journey together with us mm-hmm. and, and have that conversation, which is a pattern uh, which I picked up mm-hmm. and just turned into a solution offering, uh, which is very successful now. And you know what? Microsoft has, what, 100,000 of people mm-hmm. and nobody came to that conclusion, right? So that's just one example on, on how seeing patterns, how bringing things together, uh, what we are good at, uh, can bring as, as, as a bonus to an organization. Mm. We spoke a little bit about different thinkers. Um, what do we mean when we talk about different thinkers? Different thinkers. Um, is this about sequential parallel? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, so, so I've read that uh, neurotypical people will think sequentially mm-hmm. and they will process things sequentially and also then bring that out in language in a very sequential way. Um, and I've read that uh, neurodiverse people don't necessarily think like that. And, and reading more about this, I can actually recognize myself in that. Um, so, which, you know, I think both things can make sense. 
but uh, but there's definitely barriers in between. When when I get to something, it's because I pull things parallelly, mm-hmm. if that's a word, bring <laughs> together, uh, and say, "Poof, there you are." Where, and that is something sometimes a bit very fast because the the person who's processing things in a sequential way, mm-hmm. where oh, uh, not first A, then B, then C, then D. Um, already by, by me saying well this is the solution because you got that and that and that and together that's made this um, I've lost that person because that sequential process isn't, isn't there yeah. uh, and I might in conversation already go straight there um, mm-hmm. so, so yes you will have that different thinking um, but it's an ideal strength in brainstorming sessions and, and creative sessions and inventing new things mm. um, because where's the box? There is no box. Uh, they say thinking out of the box. For me, there is no box. Yeah, Because uh, that's a point of reference and I don't necessarily recognize points of reference yeah. because I don't get those that neurotypical world anyway. Sure. Does that help a bit? Uh, earlier on you mentioned a nice example of working with a line manager and how they might think sequentially okay. and you might work, think in a parallel way and how working together can be yes so so one particular example was where i was moderating a workshop and that workshop went really well people were bringing in ideas and and all of that was the energy was in the room mm-hmm. uh, we were getting somewhere and, and everything was really valuable and at the end of it people felt that they managed to contribute and and solve in their views from their reference point mm-hmm. from their perspective parts of, of 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 the problem and then they thanked me and left and and i was still looking at all those different perspectives yeah and i was still trying to make sense of it and and bringing it all together and i would still have to process this all and in different speeds and in different views and having that world in my mind and and what does that mean and 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 so you, you're looking like everybody went through their universe from a to z mm-hmm. i was processing all these universes at the same time mm-hmm. at different speeds and christine uh an ex-manager normally quite well said How's it working? And I said, well, you know, I don't have it just yet, but yeah. it will come. And I know that in a couple of days, it will all click together. And lo and behold, we will have the most magical, wonderful uh, solution and puzzle together. And and she said, let's just walk, talk things through. This is These are my notes. Mm-hmm. What do you have as notes? Okay, so this person said that, this person, and she brought it back all to life, but in a calmer, less all of that input session and um, that really helped me crystallize my thoughts faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so all those whirling processes could was almost sequenced by her. Yeah. You say, okay, so you think about this. Okay, this is where this could fit in. And she helped me through thinking through that plat- that pattern. So I had didn't have to give all the energy to all the different processes at the same time. Sure. Which would happen in my head mm-hmm. um, and then somebody in the room would in another room would be drinking soup and that would hit 
that as well mm -hmm. as an extra process running in my head mm -hmm. um, and we'll get to things like that later sure I think that's really interesting and I think that that can be helpful for any employee and any manager to talk things through and, and um, bring those different ideas and concepts together so that they can then go forwards together with a with a good idea and a good plan thinking a little bit more about your presentation on if I can be myself I can be at my best um, what where did that phrase come from and what does the presentation really mean to you um, I would need to specifically look up on the internet really if if you really want to be exact but it, it comes from my diversity and inclusion message in Microsoft uh, which I think is and if I get it wrong uh, I'll, I'll get in trouble um, not too much they know me it's something like come as you are um, do what you please something like that I think the last bit is a bit wrong but it's that's the message so basically we're, we're a very open very diverse organization mm -hmm. and and I think in that message in itself uh, okay come as you are do what you love that's the message in that message if you just lift that slightly to another level it just means then well if you can be yourself mm -hmm. come as you are you can actually bring your best yeah and and, and that's was the the next evolution and that's where that phraseology comes from and this is it Tip people with autism would typically try to fit in they would blend and mask uh, and that in itself would take energy energy that you can't allocate to to your strengths mm -hmm. to your processing uh, to your work uh, at the same time then trying to second guess everybody you don't have theory of mind yeah. again that would require a lot of energy or or knowing that you can't would create extra anxiety mm -hmm. what did that person mean uh, did did she really mean that uh, does that make sense am i missing something all questions which are not necessarily very helpful in in at work mm -hmm. so on that sense knowing that you can be yourself and just focus on being your best self and that other people can accept that as well and where required you know collaborate with you yeah in an optimal way uh can bring can be help you be your best but actually be the best benefit to the organization as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. uh, which everybody's a winner then yeah certainly and I think that's really important for employers as well. Employers should want people to be at their best. Um, now, that might be the person bringing their whole self to work. I guess it might be for some people, they don't want to bring their whole self to work. They want to bring a work version of themselves to work, um, which is probably a different question for another podcast. Um, but what I'd say is every employer does want all of their employees to be working at their best. And... That leads us on to thinking about the barriers that people with autism can face in the workplace. In Square Holes, I recommend autism awareness for employers be based on identifying barriers and making adjustments. In the report, I point towards communication, structures and environments as being key areas for employers to look at. So to pull those three points apart a little bit more, we're going to talk a little bit about each of them. So for communication, we know that the way that some neurotypical people communicate can create barriers for some people with autism. Um, that doesn't mean that everyone with autism will face barriers through the different ways that neurotypical people communicate. Uh, 
um, but they can do. So we were talking earlier a little bit about an example of a neurotypical person saying to a person with autism, how are you? Um, and I normally do that when I give you a call on the phone. And we are thinking about an example of where that can cause, you, cause a barrier. Mm. Tell us a bit about that. So, I mean, again, uh, with, with the risk of generalizing, um, people with autism will things things will take things quite strictly um and 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 that can revert to almost literally so how are you is is, a big, is an open question mm. which goes for a story right how, how am i feeling and 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 why is my day today like it is and 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 again you you then which then appeals to that loyalty thing and 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 thinking that everybody is actually earnest so you really want to know how i am mm -hmm. which means that i need to tell you how i am and that starts from the moment i got out of bed to the point that i found out that i didn't have any more toothpaste which uh have you not brushed your teeth <laughs> i didn't brush my teeth oh dear um i did actually today uh but all of that is uh, results in the pit and the person standing in front of you just now mm -hmm. uh, and that's how i feel and and that is actually genuine how i'm going to feel because all of these things have built up and and it kind of defines who i am at that moment in time mm -hmm. more so probably with neurodiverse people uh, because we can't filter out some of those stresses throughout uh, uh, our morning routine etc so eugen just asking that so to speak open simple question mm. actually triggers that requirement to to tell you that complete package mm. in the most color in our brains for some of us in the most colorful pictorial sensory way because that's how we reflect some of us reflect as well mm. um and then we almost have to say that because you unlocked it yeah right and then knowing that actually lo and behold at some point in my life i've learned that you actually don't mean that question you don't want that answer mm. you just want to have oh it's fine thank you very much yeah and you don't even want to know if you just say oh not so good thank you very much actually if you try that mm. people say oh good and then they walk on yeah. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> a slap in the face almost because i've tried that one as well um so 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 yeah, you could just imagine that you just unleashed this whole movie in my head mm -hmm. and re-brought all that experience again in my head and that now has to come out because you, you triggered that. Mm -hmm. um, which, and I know you don't really want it either. So I now have a manager who knows and she says, right, let's cut the socialness. Let's get straight into it. We're fine with that, good. Yep. And off we go. And and like yeah thank you jenny uh yeah <laughs> that's good we understand it we get each other we mm -hmm. can just crack on let's go straight into work mm -hmm. i think i think there's an interesting thing there for employers is that that can create such a barrier for an individual something so simple as asking how you are um i think what can be done there is something as simple as like you say saying you good and you say yeah i'm good and then moving on the conversation obviously there is going to be a time when someone needs to know how you are and and people are going to 
have those chats? So I have those circle of people around me and uh, Lindsay is very good at that. And, and she'll just say, right, I really want to know how you are, how are you feeling about this? Mm. And, and she will remind throughout the conversation as well. Michael, I'm not taking any BS. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if I can say that. I'm not taking any BS. You know, you can trust me. Just go for it. Tell me what's on your mind. Uh, and I know that it's clear signal. I know I can, you know, whinge a bit or say how it is or what my uh, challenges are. Mm. And, and that in itself helps as well because I, I can get that rid of my stack, mm. so to speak, and then be more productive after I said it. Mm. Uh, so I think, uh, and we had that discussion. Would it not be lovely if you neurotypicals could do that with each other as well? Because I bet they're having like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and I got to pay my mortgage and uh, and my fridge blew up. And they would love to speak about that, get that off their chest, and mm. then they would be able to work and have some empathy at work. They would love to do that as well. Mm. So why can't we be overall have this best practice throughout the mm. world? Um, so there you are. Yeah. I think uh, what's interesting is employees can create, or line managers and an employee can create parlances and ways of talking to each other and ways of working well together. Um, let's think about structures. Now, structures, by structures, I mean policies and processes, rules and routines, unwritten rules and culture. Um, they can create barriers for people through, uh, if, if the structure's known, then deviating from that structure can create a barrier. If the structure is unknown, then the person understanding it and following it could be uh, a barrier as well. The example I use is that I used to work with someone who used to use uh, these boxes of uh, little metal pieces. It's, I'm not going to use the uh, name of the product, but he'd get these boxes of little metal pieces. You put them together, you build a car. On the boxes, it said that this can be used by four-year-olds till 89-year-olds. And for him, that concept that he couldn't use that product anymore when he got to the age of 90 was quite upsetting. And he'd talk about it in jest with me, but there was a rule there that, that, that was almost set in stone and it was hard for him to imagine otherwise. Now, there's examples of that in the workplace between rules and cultures. You spoke earlier about the process of going to events. Yeah. So... Um so what I do, shall I talk, say the experience? So normally when, when the, an event is happening, a social event or whatever, or a work event, mm -hmm. uh, they kind of say where it is and, and they kind of say the dates and, and, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. And basically you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and, you know, as a, as a neurodiverse person, as a, you, you know what, you kind of know what you need, etc., and you will plan for that. Mm -hmm. uh, but you, because you have very little information, you're planning for the world, right? Mm -hmm. I carry in my in my backpack. I got spare water. I got spare food. I got a painkillers with me. Got extra inhalers with me. I got a pen. I got all kind of whiteboard stuff. So just in case I need to do a workshop just now, mm -hmm. uh, I got all of that continuously with me. Mm. Um, so we, we're great planners, right? We know our limitations and we cater for those. Um, but you know, if we would have the information, that would be so much greater because we that's a level of anxiety gone. So, what I uh, started doing, uh, based on, on my recommendation of, of a job 
of, of a coach in this area mm-hmm. and she said uh, just say what you need so I started saying well you know are there going to be facilities uh, what's the agenda mm-hmm. uh, what's the goal of the event uh, what's the timings uh, is a quiet space am I going to be fed how often am I going to be fed mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, is there something to drink uh, all of that kind of information that logistical information I, I I ask, can I have uh, directions? Can I have a picture of the venue too easily? Because directions, you know, you get a 2D map, right? And it doesn't look like the venue, right? And you, you're sometimes in a car, sometimes a pedestrian. That doesn't mean you can go straight, follow the map, right? You're not yeah. a bird. Um, <laughs> so uh, you ask all that. Inf- I used to then uh, go go that extra mile and ask all that information to, to remove those anxieties. And and the people I used to ask to that like, oh, this is extra work. Why do you need this? And wouldn't necessarily give it to me either until i now said well i need this for my autism mm-hmm. uh, because this can take all the anxiety away and i can focus so much more on the event get so much more out of it mm. and that has opened even more doors where i get the information up to now that i get the information and when i arrive at the reception mm-hmm. i say my name and they say oh here's your pack mm-hmm. and i get all of that again printed out so uh, I can see it and touch it. And, and, and here's the funny thing. Uh, I can focus on the event. And then I sit on a table with a number of neurotypical people there. And they go like, oh, how long is this going to take? Oh, they keep on talking about this. And I'm like, oh, this will take another five minutes. And then we'll do some, then we'll have a break. And then we'll have a comedy act. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do something serious again. And they go like, oh, really? So oh, how do you know? And I said, well, I asked. I don't say why I asked, but I say I asked. And, but, but what I've seen is that these best practices for me mm-hmm. help the whole table. They're like, oh, so, and then we do this and this will only take five minutes and they, they focus more on the event themselves. So w- what I feel is that uh, by just, you know, helping us, we help the whole organization actually. Mm. Uh, so all those barriers are there for everybody we're just feeling it a little bit more mm. but you know what i think it's worth looking at those barriers fantastic i think that's a really good example of how introducing some structure can really help someone and uh, make the event more useful and enjoyable and more relevant um, which is fantastic the third or final area that we tend to see at barriers are around environments uh, so people with autism can be over or under sensitive to different sensory stimulus um, and Michael, you told me a really interesting story about soup that I think uh, emphasizes this. Okay. Uh, and, and just to make absolutely sure, sensory stuff can be anything, right? It could be uh, the lighting in this room, mm. uh, could be movements, could be temperature changes, uh, could be the texture of, of chairs and whatever. So just to be absolutely sure. But, um, and, and I have many of these. I got a very good sense of of uh, of smell as well. Uh, I probably could have gone into wine business, but hey. Um, <laughs> so and and you have that more in those intense working environments with open landscape and things like that, yeah. where you all together. Uh, so so now uh, there's people who bring food to their desk, and that's fine. And there was one person on the other end of the room, and we're talking big rooms, like 
uh, having soup and I could smell that but you know certain soups like tomato soup sorry tomato soup uh, <laughs> they smell a bit like body odor mm -hmm. uh, so first thing like oh what's this is it me did I forget my deodorant uh, and and you you kind of have to you start worrying and you kind mm. of trying to smell but not too obviously uh, and that now you could say well what's the big deal but it's something that works on your mind mm. and and it reduces already your productivity and and for you those senses are really they're hard mm. they they slap you in the face mm. uh, and that you can't just can't ignore them they're there you get those extra questions then firing off and and, and then I just had to get up and go find the source of it. And then I saw, oh, it's, <coughs> it's you having soup. That's fine. Okay, so I now know it's not body odor. It's not something going bad in the office. I now identify the source. Yes, it will still have an effect on me. Mm. Uh, but at least I have identified it now. And I'll try to filter it out, which is a conscious effort for us. Mm. Uh, if we can, because some people just can't. Conscious effort is a soup, is labeled, is acknowledged, like terminated, seeing all these things like human body there, 50 degrees, whatever, uh, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. Well, okay, we've, we've acknowledged this and we can now uh, process further things. Now, but all of these things are so easily solvable. They don't mm. have to cost much to resolve. Why not have a, a quiet space, quiet room, work more remotely? All the technology is there these yeah. days to help with this. Uh, so, the reasonable adjustment in the space doesn't have to cost the world and there's they're so easily available yeah fantastic and so many like you say so many adjustments can be made quick and easily i think you know ideally people will have kitchens or places they can go to eat um eating at the desk is you know as well that's that can be arranged um the other thing i'd say as well is the it's such a big barrier and can prevent you from being able to do your work just simply a smell um on the flip side as well i think what could happen is if you go over to that person you say oh your soup and then you walk away that oh, can yeah. appear odd to them and then they might say oh, what's michael got against my soup um so then having that understanding of where that comes from absolutely and and again i almost feel that as being uh so i can either mask and blend and mm. i will endure but it's not enduring it's like uh it's like having somebody stab continuously in your nose with, with, with a stabber you know an ice pick or whatever um so you are having it's having an impact on you but when you can be yourself and other people know first of all they could make better decisions but on the second hand they could see okay this having effect on you mm. uh meetings where there's lots of extra noise uh, yeah we will endure it but it works on you it can be very stressing you can be tired more tired the next day or tired after the meeting or at the same time getting it you can get more hyper mm. uh, just accept that there is that possibility put in a break mm. um, and it's good for everybody because everybody's crossing the, their legs often you know yeah. <laughs> because they got <laughs> some other needs um so so yeah yeah so it could be the case of making the adjustment ensuring that you're able to do your job without that smell but also talking to the colleague and saying that uh, michael's come over to you because of the smell of your soup um and and ensuring that they understand that and it's not something personal wonderful um Michael, do you have anything to add? 
to that particular uh, situation or just in general? To the podcast and all. Um, so I, I think the focus in here has to be on the strength and the benefits that people, uh, neurodiverse people can bring. And, um, and there's a whole story, it could be a different podcast, but self-ID, disclosure, how that it may be, um, self-advocacy, that has to be the way forward. Uh, I think people need to work on bias, uh, work on unconscious bias, uh, but, and, and then together, people with disabilities have to work with the people who then will have less bias as well in, in creating a better environment for all. And, 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 and that will be a better environment because you will reap all those benefits of everybody. Uh, and that has to be the goal of all of this. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I hope that was a useful introduction to the Squareholes report and the model that we've recommended for identifying barriers uh, for people with autism in the workplace. If you do have any questions, please do get in touch. Uh, you can contact our advice service if you want to talk about any queries. Um, and the Squareholes report is available on our website. And we'd also like you to tell us what you think about our podcast series. Um, we'd really welcome your feedback. Please do feel free to email us at media at businessdisabilityforum.org.uk and telephone us at 0207-403-3020. Uh, you can also tweet us at Disability Smart. And I think Michael is happy to share some contact details as well. Oh, do I need to tell them now? You can do. <laughs> MSFT and then accessibility. Uh, I have a, a, tweet is a Twitter thingy as well. It's my one. Uh, that's Mike India Whiskey Oscar November. Uh, and uh, you're welcome to email me at Mike India Charlie Hotel Victor Echo Romeo at Microsoft.com. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for joining us today, Michael. Welcome. Pleasure. Marvellous. Thank you and cheerio. This podcast is sponsored by Microlink, the UK's largest assistive technology and workplace adjustment provider.